eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody is having a good Tuesday. Uh, welcome to our live viewers. If you're watching on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, thank you guys so much for joining us, presumably um, on your lunch break or something like that. We're going to talk a little bit um, of Auburn spring practice here with Mr. Jason Caldwell. We were at practice yesterday. That was the eighth practice, I believe. So we're, we're officially past the, uh, the halfway point, obviously 15 spring practices. Um, we are in the third week. Obviously, next week is going to be the fourth week, and then at the end of that um, is the A-Day game. Um, and Jason, you know, we, we've had to abide by this rule, of course, um, when it comes to injuries and guys missing practice, things like that. Um, just kind of withholding information on that until it's talked about by the coaches. But Brian Harson on Friday after the scrimmage, he ran through everything. So now we're we're green light. We can go through every single position group um, and talk about whatever we want because he um, he ran us through all of the the injury situations right now. Um, but really, Jason, I mean, as, as we've continued to go to practice, um, I think just the overall takeaway right now for this team is that it's, it's, it's a shell of what it's going to be in the fall for two different reasons for injuries. And they're going to add a bunch of guys, um, whether it's in the recruiting class or whether it's in the transfer portal. And I think that's showing up the most right now on the offensive line, kind of looking at them yesterday at practice where, um, now, because of a minor injury to Keandre Jones, you've got four guys on the offensive line right now starting that probably are not going to be there um, once all those guys get healthy. So um, I don't know. How, how have you kind of gone about looking at this team as we're going to get into some questions maybe a little later about what the offense is going to look like? We have a question, you know, are they going to play with pace? What are they going to do in this kind of formation? How have you kind of gone about looking at this team and trying to gather that information when it's only bits and pieces right now on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I think the first thing before we get into the team, I think people need to understand how much more access we've had this spring than we've had probably in six or seven years. Um, we were able to watch a scrimmage on Friday, almost an hour of a scrimmage, 
that's the first time in a long time that we've been able to watch any part of a scrimmage, um, which was good news. We've had access to players, coaches. So it's been good in, in terms of the information, much, much, much different than it was a year ago and, and understandably so. But so I wanted to kind of say that first. But as far as the team itself, um, yeah, the offensive line, it's probably the best case scenario for this team, to be quite honest. Um for this to have happened in the spring. I think some of it was planned. I think if they were playing a game, Nick Brahms and Austin Trossel would probably get ready to play. Um, but because they're not, um, Nick Brahms, Austin Troxel, um, Brandon Council, and now Keontre Jones. You got four guys that that aren't out there at the moment that will would more than likely be in a starting lineup. What it's done is it's forced, you know, we've already seen Jaleel Irvin play. Now it's given him more reps at center, but it's given you know, Tate Johnson, um, you know, Avery Jernigan, some of those guys at, at reps at center. But Alec Jackson's probably – he's probably been the most versatile player. We've seen him at guard. We've seen him at both tackles. We've seen him everywhere. So, you look at, at that offensive line group, it's given those players to Garner, Langlow. But I think probably more importantly, you know, I think it's allowed, you know, you know, Killian Zaire and Brendan Coffey, Colby Smith at tackle to get some really quality reps. And so I think probably of that offensive line, uh, it's it's funny when we say this, I don't think there's any question in my mind that other than tight end, the offensive line is the deepest part of this team right now uh, as it stands in the spring. Um, now, that doesn't mean it's going to be the case in 2023 because it's going to go from the deepest to the thinnest in a hurry. But as it stands right now, the offensive line is, is really deep, and, and those guys are getting a lot of reps. So, yeah, I think probably starts there. Um, and overall for this team, yeah, it's 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 about the lack of numbers. I think that's that's the thing that jumps out to you. That's always that way in the spring to some extent. But, Nathan, it's, it's, it's pretty dramatic when you watch it, and I'm not certain they're going to be able to play an actual football game on A-Day. Uh, it may be more of an offense defense scrimmage and we have seen those in the past as well yeah somebody was talking about that the other day uh just that the numbers are so small at certain positions that it just i mean it just wouldn't be safe um and, and also you wouldn't have enough rotations um to go through uh you know brian harson talked about it that you know the the optimal outcome for the offensive line here is that well you know all, the, all these guys because you're exactly right these guys are not supposed to be getting they were not supposed to be getting these reps these first team reps and then obviously the second team guys were third teamers. And so everybody's just getting a little bit more involved than they were supposed to. Um, so the best case scenario for that is that you build strong depth uh, where if something happens, which past two or three seasons, there's been offensive line injuries for Auburn pretty, pretty often, you know, one or two over the course of the season. Um, and so you have those guys kind of fill in um, and do their job. Like there's, we saw it a couple years ago when council went out, that was when Keandre Jones stepped in um, and was a really, really good player. And now obviously is a you know, kind of cemented, a starting role. I think that tackle spot, like you talked about, um, has been really, really interesting. Um, somebody mentioned it. He was either Harson or, or Eric Keesaw mentioned Killian Zaire as a leader. He was just kind of rattling off leaders on this, on the roster, both sides of the ball and said, Killian is one of those guys right now. Um, when we talked to Killian last week, he said left tackle is where he likes to be. It's where the coaching staff likes him to be. So it will be interesting when Austin Troxel comes back, what they're going to do about those starting tackle spots. Because like you said, um, Alec Jackson's been at right tackle. Uh, Brendan Coffey's played some left tackle too. And, and he's also been on the right side. So 
Um, seems like you you truly have the, and we thought coffee might be a guy last season um, that would be able to, to contend for one of those starting jobs. So I think once things actually get healthy, you might be looking at four different players who could who could take over one of those two or those two starting offensive tackle spots. Yeah, I, I think right now I would lean towards Killian Zaire because of his athleticism um, being more of the the left tackle for this team. Austin Troxel probably uh, without the injuries would would be a classic left tackle. I think with the injuries now he's probably more of a right tackle. I think it probably fits his his, his skill set better at the moment. And with that experience, I would think those two guys would be the odds-on favorites to be your starters um, early right now. The thing that Alec Jackson has done is he's put himself in a position to maybe be the most valuable player on this team uh, other than a quarterback because he can play all four of those other spots, and he might be the top option at all four spots, to be quite honest. Um, and so he's he has done he's done that and become that guy that you can say, hey, let's you got a guy that has played football a lot, got a lot of experience that you can plug in any of those other four spots. Got you know Jaleel Irvin at center, but you know Tate Johnson has really come on. He's he's trimmed down. He's like two eighty five or so, which might seem small, but he's much stronger, much more physical and more athletic than he was you know last year. So it's actually helped him, I think, to to become more aggressive. And so um, yeah, the offensive line's an interesting interesting spot, and I think a good spot to start with because it shows the dynamic of this roster right now where you look at it and go just because it's in great shape. Now there's a lot of field that's going to have to be done. Cause we mentioned the guys that are, that are out right now, you know, Nick Brahms, you know, Austin Trossel, Brandon council, um, those guys that are out, you've got killing Zaire, you got Brendan coffee, you got Cam Stutz, you got Jaleel Irvin. All those guys are seniors. Um, now Stutz and Jaleel Irvin are guys that could come back, but you look at it, and, and that's a group that you're going to lose at least six guys from, maybe eight um, after this season. And so that's where it's going to have to be rebuilt. And some of those other spots, that's happening now, and where we're seeing that in the spring. I wanted to just run through the injuries here um, and kind of the latest on it because we're at practice yesterday, and Brian Harson again, has given us the – the go ahead because he's run through everything. And so, um, you know, we can discuss these injuries here. Um, and really, when you look at the two deep, it's when it really kind of sticks out to you. But um, on offense, <clears throat> you've got Javaris Johnson, who is back now. He did have an injury. Um, he missed, I think, all of, I want to say all of last week. I want to say mm-hmm. he wasn't, didn't practice at all last week. And then in the scrimmage, wasn't suited up, didn't go there. Um, he was full go yesterday. Saw him at practice, uh, full shells and everything. And then on the offensive line, like we've talked about, Austin Troxel is limited at the moment. Um, him and Nick Brahms are both in the non-contact jerseys doing some stuff. We've seen them rotate, uh, but it's it's limited work for both of them. Um, and then Brandon Council is completely out um, at the moment. Keandre Jones, uh, Parsons seems pretty optimistic that he'll that he'll return before long, um, but he is not practicing as well at the moment on defense. Um, starting with the first team defense at linebacker, which is something we'll move to now. We'll move to the defense. Um, Owen Papo, that's something we knew about for like a month, uh, the past, you know, even a month before spring ball started. So that's given an opportunity. I think those five linebackers, what we got Cam Riley, uh, Steiner, Tisdall, Eugene Asante, and uh, Joko Willis. They've all kind of, they've all kind of gotten their opportunities. I mean, they've all been in the rotation this spring and Owen Papo has, his injury has allowed that to happen in the secondary um, at safety. You've got Zion Puckett got a shoulder thing right now. Also a limited participant. Um, 
And then the quarterback competition, that, that's what we'll go to next. Let's do the quarterbacks. Everybody yeah. wants to talk about that. Um, it's, it's, I wrote about this yesterday. It's got an asterisk a little bit at the moment um, because Zach Calzada, whom a lot of people projected to be one of the you know, him and TJ Finley, they've got the SEC starting experience, um, recovering from a shoulder right now uh, in a non-contact jersey. Harson said he, he could go. He could he could be a full participant at times. They just don't want to risk it. They just want to, you know, let him let him heal. And uh, they said he's getting a lot of mental reps. Was the was the word that Brian Harson used? Um, so right now, your second team quarterback in most settings has been Robbie Ashford, the the transfer from Oregon. Looked like a really athletic. I think that's something you and I have talked about. That he looks really really athletic. Um, looks like he can be a playmaker. It's just a question of. Um, how well can he play the quarterback position? So at the moment, Jason, because of Calzada's injury, it's TJ Finley at number one um, at the moment. But but between Ashford and Gurner, obviously D- Demetrius Davis transferred out. Um, it's been interesting to see a lot of their skill sets on display because um, you know it seems like we're all just kind of waiting for Zach Calzada to get healthy in the fall, and then you'll have a full blown quarterback battle. But I, we've still seen Calzada do some good things uh, here in the spring. Yeah, you know, they, they've kind of got that harness still on his left shoulder, uh, ironically enough, the one that he injured against Auburn last year that's continued to bother him, and you can see that there. But we've seen that he's thrown the ball. He's thrown it well. They're just – what they're trying to avoid right now is him getting bumped into, knocked down, and falling on that shoulder. So they're just giving him more time to heal and get stronger. They just really cleaned it up and tightened it up a little bit, um, you know, once he got on campus in January. So they're just kind of being protective right now. And, and it shows you that – they know that this quarterback battle is going to go into the preseason. Um, that's that's what we know now. Um, I didn't expect it to end in the spring anyway, um, but we know now that to, for Zach Calzada to be involved, and he's going to be, that they're going to have to carry this thing into the preseason. Uh, T.J. Finley has, has the only guy now with experience in this offense with Demetrius Davis gone. He's the only guy that's ever taken a snap in this offense before. Um, and he, he looks like that guy in the spring. And you can see him. He's the, the first guy up. Uh, he's the guy that kind of kind of runs the show a little bit at quarterback now. You know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, Robbie Ashford. Uh, you know, having watched Robbie probably since the end of his sophomore year at Hoover. Um, athleticism, something you don't have to worry about. Arm strength, something you don't have to worry about. He has all those intangibles. And he's not small either. I mean, he's got some size to him. Um Everybody looks small next to DJ Finley, but but Robbie's not small. Um, neither is Calzada or Holden Gurner. I mean, all those guys have size, but Robbie's a guy that it's just a matter of playing playing quarterback. Um, has all the tools. He just hasn't had a ton of quarterback experience. Went through some injuries in high school, and then didn't play at Oregon. So for him, it's just it's just the lack of those reps at the position. You know, can he do enough in the spring to to jump himself in there? You know, we'll see. I, he has the athleticism. Can he put it together kind of as a quarterback? You know, Holden Garner, just you know, a true freshman that's kind of finding his way a little bit. But, you, you know, he has he has the tools. He throws a really pretty ball. And a uh, guy that's, I think, you know, maybe not ready right now. But you can see there that he's a guy that's going to have, you know, going to have some tools and, and be a guy to watch in this race. So it went from a – how they're going to get enough throws for five guys to now you're going, you know, in, in the scrimmage situation, it's really just three. Um, and so Zach Calzada watches and we did talk about him getting those reps. He's standing behind the offense in the scrimmage, kind of mimicking guys, taking those mental reps. And so he has experience uh, just not in this system. 
and and that's why you know obviously TJ Finley is is you look at him right now and I think just just as we stand today um he's the clear guy that's at the top of the pecking order for for this offense at the moment yeah and and once we move into the fall um you know we we kind of hypothesized that they would not exit it would be very unlikely for them to go into the fall with all five quarterbacks still there um just because it's it was you know, it was a competition where everybody in that room would like to think they had a shot at it. Um, you know, there's maybe maybe Holden Gurner is the one guy that you're kind of looking at saying, well, you know, he's still working things out. You can really like you were talking about, you can really watch him and see he's very raw, um, but you can kind of see the the twinkles there of, of, of what he's got that makes him a special player. Um, but Demetrius Davis was a guy that a lot of Auburn fans were excited about and wanted to see in this competition um, but when it came to him everything was stacked against him in terms of a situational kind of thing. Like, I mean, he, he, number one, he committed to Gus Malzahn, Chad Morris. Um, he signed to no head coach. He technically signed to interim coach Kevin Steele. Yeah. Uh, and then he was trying to make it in an offense where Brian Harson and Eric Kesaw, whatever, you know, whatever they've, they've done in the past, never have really utilized a guy like him. Um, and so, you know, kind of making him the odd man out. It was something I think we kind of avoided talking about people would say, oh, you know, who's going to be the guy to transfer out? It's like, well, you look at the obvious one. It, you know, it's a guy like Demetrius Davis, but um, had nothing to do with his football talent. You know, obviously is a supremely talented um, player that if he goes into the right system is, is probably going to make a splash at the next place that he goes. Um, we'll round out the injuries here. One that is, is decently significant is Jarquez Hunter. Um, so as of Friday, Brian Harson said he's out eight to ten weeks. So he will obviously miss the end of spring. He'll miss a day. Really, really talented player, obviously, last season um, in that running back rotation. It's made it so that it's been Sean Jackson has been the number two. I know it's a guy you like a lot. Um, he's he's looking good right now. He had a big, long run there in the scrimmage. Um, and then Jordan Ingram. He's an interesting player to watch. Uh, interesting skill set for him. Kind of that longer, lanky running back who's, who looks good with the ball in his hands as a pass catcher. Um, trying to see if there's any other injuries to note here. Uh, J.J. Evans. The, the wide receiver. He hasn't taken a snap at Auburn, former four-star recruit. Um, he's dealing, it sounded like a similar thing to Hunter, just a you know, knee, knee slash leg kind of cleanup. Same kind of time frame for him. And then on defense, Jeffrey Emba, the number one JUCO defensive tackle. Looks like he's working his way into things. We saw him at the scrimmage kind of just watching um, from the side. Uh, it seems like, you know, they're, they're trying to work him back. He had a shoulder thing before he came to Auburn. Um, and then Marquise Burks currently, uh, the nose tackle from last season played a little bit behind Tony fair there in, at the, in the middle of the defense, he's dealing with a minor injury um, as well. But uh, going back to the defense here, there is one guy, you know, we, everyone always says, Oh, you know, who's your, who's breaking out on both sides of the ball. Who's the breakout candidate um, last spring. It was definitely Javarius Johnson on offense. And then on defense, it was Jeremiah Wright before he got that injury. Um, there's no question. It has been Caleb Wooden. So far, I mean, we can't go a day without hearing his name. Um, this guy's talking about his teammates talking about him, coaches talking about him. Um, you'll see him post on Instagram like every other day on their on their big board. He's the player. Of, he's like the playmaker of the day on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been a lot more than just Colby Wooden's little brother so far. It's because of that opportunity at safety. Um, but even when the fall rolls around, they bring in a couple more four stars there. Um He's 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 made an opportunity for himself to to possibly be in that safety rotation um, as maybe a starter. Maybe that's a long shot, but it seems like he's a 
Yeah, I think you, you look at, at Caleb and um, the first thing that stands out about him is is he's a guy that they, they waited and offered after a summer camp. They saw him on camp and said, look, we like this guy, I like his athleticism. And, and you know what you get from that family, a great family, um, going to do the right things, um, going to approach things the right way. And that's a huge start when you're looking, you know, for a guy to help, especially early. And, and Caleb has, has come in and, and done those same things. And the other thing you look at for him is coming from, you know, the same, you know, his, his older brother, Colby Wooden was a guy that got much bigger and stronger when he got on campus. Caleb is a guy that's already, you can already tell the difference between him and last summer. He's going to be a physical safety, but knows for the football, smart kid. Uh, I look at that secondary, I look at him and J.D. Rim as two guys that have come in and probably helped themselves as much as anybody as the early guys. Um, and that's the spots they needed, guys. I mean, J.D. Rim comes in and and I think probably had something to do with Roe Torrance being a guy that left. When J.D. Rim comes in and starts to, to make plays and do things and bring in, you know, D.J. James from, from Spanish Fort or uh, from Oregon. But, yeah, Caleb would not – yeah, I don't know if he's a starter – but there's no question in my mind that he's a guy that probably plays in a rotation and is on special teams pretty early in his career. And that's saying a lot for, for a safety, especially, um, you know, the thing that he'll probably continue to have to work on is being more vocal. That's what Zach Etheridge has talked about. Those guys have to be really vocal. Donovan Kaufman has stepped up in that role. You know, Zion Puckett's not the most vocal player in terms of, you know, outwardly vocal, but he's a guy that has a ton of experience, so he can lead by example, do some of those things. That's that's the step can can a true freshman take. We saw it, you know, as vocal as Smoke Monday was, it it really took him, and he played a lot as a freshman, but he didn't step into that role till he was a sophomore. And so, and Caleb Wooden has put himself in a position to get some quality playing time on this defense. You know, J.D. Rim has done the same thing in that secondary, and they needed a couple of newcomers to fill those roles. When you lose Roger McCreary, when you lose a smoke Monday, Madarius Knight and it's safety, they needed somebody to go, okay, I'm ready. And these guys have shown that they're ready to at least, uh, you know, play a part. It's funny to think about smoke Monday, not being that way. Um, considering how he was when he left, we kind of got that lasting image of him at pro day, um, being classic <laughs> smoke Monday. Um, he was obviously a, a really fun player to be around, uh, quickly on the offensive side of the ball. Then we'll get to some of these questions. Um, Breakout player on offense is something I got asked a couple days ago. I think you've got a couple candidates, but one guy that's been talked about by both Eric Keesaw, who is was his position coach at receiver and now is the offensive coordinator, and Brian Harson as being a guy that is night and day different, not only in terms of what he's producing, um, but also his attitude is Tarvarish Dawson. And he was a guy that you could tell from his first step on campus, if he puts it together and he starts to figure out this offense, boy, he, I mean, he's a great looking player. Um, when, especially on some of those deep patterns, a really good-looking receiver. He would probably be be my vote there. I'm not sure what your opinion is on that. Um, but that's another thing where he's had an opportunity because of Javarius Johnson's injury. And uh, obviously the guys who have left at receiver, seems like it's pretty likely he'll have a decent role this season. Yeah, there's nowhere on this team, nowhere on this roster, where there's more opportunity than a wide receiver. Um so if they have a breakout guy, it, it, it needs to be a wide receiver. It needs to be a Tavares Dawson. Jay Fair's come in as an early enrollee and gotten some quality reps. Um, and a guy that, you know, this picture, you know, you look at them, that these this was kind of them getting ready on kickoff return. Both those guys are, are back there as part of a kickoff return group to try to get some playmakers on the field. But, um, yeah, I think you look at Tavares Dawson, um, you know, playmaking ability – 
still kind of waiting on a guy like Malcolm Johnson. We, we've you know, been here for a couple of years, has the speed. Can Malcolm Johnson step up and become that everyday player? Um, you know, they need him to be. Uh, Shedrick Jackson has done that. Shedrick stepped up in a leadership role. He's the unquestioned leader of the wide receiver group and one of the unquestioned leaders on this offense right now. And I think that's huge for him and um, the guy that has put in his, his time and his work to be that guy. But you mentioned Tavares Dawson. I'll mention somebody else that, that Brad Bedell mentioned a little bit just because he's been a guy that everybody has had questions about for two years. Brandon Frazier, we saw him some of the first group at uh, tight end. And he's had, you know, really such a, not want to say disappointing start, because, but, but so much was expected of, of the, the big six, seven tight end, you know, that had, had the hands and everything. Hasn't happened to this point, but maybe it happens now. Uh, and there's, their wide receiver group is going to get a ton of play. They're going to get a ton of rotation with that lack of depth at wide receiver. We could see two or three of those guys on the field at the same time a good bit for this team and what they want to do. Brandon Frazier may have maybe working his way into a little bit of a rotation. If he does, he gives them a different type of guy out there. So a couple of guys maybe to watch for this spring too. Yeah, and Landon King, um, something that, you know, wasn't official. He was still listed on the roster um, as a tight end. But yesterday at practice was the first time we saw him working to start the, the session working with the receivers um, seemed like he was with them the whole practice, but he was doing some tight end things. They'd split um, run some short patterns and, and wheel routes, to the tight ends. And he was working with them there. And so he's a guy that, you know, Auburn fans saw the end of last season came on strong middle of the year when they had some problems with drops, Brian Harson admitted that they were having issues. And so they were looking at guys on the scout team um, and saying, you know, who's got good hands. And, and now you're seeing, I mean, there are very few people on the roster that can high point the ball better than a guy like Landon King. So interesting to see, like you said, there's no more opportunity than there is at receiver. Um, seems like they might be taking those matters into their own hands and, and moving a guy over um, who's a really big athlete, you know, 6'5", 225, that kind of thing. Um, you know, Brad Bedell told us he's not, he's not ready to go up against, you know, defensive ends every play and, and block them. So why not use him where he's a little bit better um, right now? You know, the, they're, they've got those big tight ends to do it for him. They got plenty of tight ends that can go, um, and, and hit a guy. It was funny. He was talking about being honest with the tight ends um, and Micah Riley Ducker, the freshman in particular, and saying, you know, in terms of his role, he didn't want to lie to him. Um, you know, he, he told him he was going to have to learn how to be a blocker. He said, you know, if you don't, they think they're going to split out wide and they're going to be, you know, Travis Kelsey. And then you bring them in for, for spring practice and they've got to hit Derek Hall 40 times a day. And they're like, what's going on here? Yeah. So, uh, so this is, you know, it's a group that is being, you know, taught to do everything but with a guy like King, just because of what he did. And he played a bunch of big slot receiver last season for Auburn. Kind of makes sense to, to kind of have him flex out at both positions. Um, all right, so we got some subscriber questions to get to here um, in the last portion here. I think I can put these on screen. I believe I can. There we go. Wow. Look at that technology. That's pretty cool. Um, so, and obviously everybody who is uh, listening to this in podcast form, I'm not doing this the best way, uh, discussing things in a visual medium. So we'll read it out, of course. Um, but our first question was that, is there any indication that pace will be a focus for the offense? Um, love to see the offense be multiple and still operate at a fast pace. King and the other tight ends seem to be flexible enough, and there was not enough room to include the rest of it, but he was saying to stay on the field yeah. through, through different, different, times different kinds of personnel. I didn't even mean to segue like that, but you know, he's saying King can be a guy that can be a receiver one, one play, 
And then if you want to run, you know, some power, some, some power running downhill with Tank Bigsby, you bring him in to block as a tight end. You know, I think we saw a little bit of both last season. I think maybe some people kind of got a stigma when they heard about, oh, Brian Harson runs I formation. Brian Harson runs power running that it wasn't going to be tempo, but you looked at the the uh, snaps per game and the the snaps per minute for Auburn. It wasn't too different from what we saw at the end of the Gus Malzahn era. It really wasn't that much slower. Um, so I think, you know, in modern college football, maybe maybe this team did huddle a little bit more than most. Still pretty fast. Um, yeah. It's still going to run, you know, the average number of plays, if, if not just a little bit lower. Um, but something Harson and Kisoff talked about a lot is that, um, the power running game is still going to be a huge emphasis for this team, if not more. They might be talking about it more than they did last year just because of the quarterback issues. You want a guy like Tank Bigsby um, to be your number one option there in terms of your offense. But I think it's kind of both. I think this this team is going gonna, is gonna to have a lot of balance. We saw that last season um, where they'd go, go, go if they were getting you know quick slant patterns, things like that if they were, if they were moving down the field. Um, but also if they want to change personnel, they were subbing in six guys at a time, um, you know, and, and taking long huddles. So um, I think it, it'll probably look the same. It'll be it'll be pretty balanced, I would think. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot different than what we saw last year. The, the pace for this offense will be determined on how effectively they can run the football. They can run the football effectively, keep that personnel on the field, and and get first downs. It, it's not much different than Gus Malzahn in that regard. That's that's where it starts. Neither offense is designed to to pace a whole lot in the passing game. Um, and so that's that's the thing. I think as far as flexibility, I think the key to flexibility is John Samuel Schenker. I think he's the guy that gives you the ability to to split out and then to get in and be a fullback and actually run the football behind him as a lead fullback. Landon King's not ready for that. Luke Deal's probably the other guy that gives you the most options to do those things. Probably not as much option as a flex out wide receiver, but he's, he's at the end of the line, true tight end. So, I think Schinker's probably the key to the versatility for this offense. Next question here. We'll take John Samuel Schenker off of the screen. Um, this is tailor-made for you, Jason. Do you think we'll get to see Sean Jackson when the season comes, or will it go back to Tank and Hunter sharing the load? I'd love to see him actually be a part of the game plan. Um, my opinion is that I think a lot of that depends on Demari Alston and how he contributes um, within your offense. There's no question that Tank and Hunter – are the number one and number two, but Jason, we're probably looking at about a year and a half now of Sean Jackson, just looking like a good player consistently over and over again in practice. Um, I, I don't know if game plan would be the right word. He's probably not a guy that's going to get close to double digit carries. Um, but considering Jamari Alston is a true freshman who is a late enrollee, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sean Jackson a few times a game. Yeah, and he's such a different guy than than anybody else they've got on the roster. Um, you don't have a 230-pound back on this roster other than Sean Jackson and a guy that's 5'9", 230 with good feet. Um, I know Cadillac really likes him. He likes what he brings to the table, like his work ethic. And 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 so I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a part of it. Um, I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be a big part. But, you know, it, a lot of it depends, on, too, on, on, on Jarquez Hunter. This was an important spring for him. We saw Jarquez kind of break onto the scene last year, have those three or four games early in the season where he went, like, man, this guy's going to be, you know, freshman All-American. And then his production really tailed off. Um, you know, some of that was due to the offense. He's, he's got some things he has to improve on as a running back. I Tank basically the same way. I mean, I, there's things that everybody has to improve in a running game, but, you know, Sean Jackson's on the field getting those reps right now. Those That's a big deal. Um 
but he is a different type of runner. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to be a huge part of this offense, but I also think he's a guy that hey, if something happened, they said, hey, where do we go to get 20 carries in a game? He could be that guy um, and, 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 and give you a little bit different look, you know, at the running game. Yeah. You like to have your emergency guys just in case something happens. And, um, you know, he, I feel like he's developed maybe a little bit of speed too. He was kind of a guy that just was pretty much just a bowling ball. Uh, maybe when he first came in, but still a really good looking player from a walk on. Obviously if he's, if he's getting enough attention um, to get a question submission, I think he's a guy that fans like, and they want to see more of um, this is something we talked about a little earlier. Um, do you think the freshman safety wooden or bridges can win the starting job um, once the JUCOs and all the others are in place. Yeah. So um, I think unless I'm mistaken, Oh, okay. Keontae Scott is the other Juco. He's, yeah, he's a corner though, but you know, Marquis right, Gilbert's right. already here. And so um, they're already dealing with a Juco guy that's here. Caden mm-hmm. Bridges, you look at him physically and a guy that, you know, Zach Etheridge talked about, you know, coming, he was, he was a guy that played a lot of baseball in high school, wasn't a full-time guy. So during the summers, he'd be playing baseball. So he's, he's catching up you know, to the football acumen a little bit. But physically, Caden Bridges looks really good. Um, I don't know that one of them wins the job, but I, as we mentioned, I think both those guys are going to be in the mix. Um, you know, I think Donovan Kaufman and, you know, you look at him and Zion Puckett, just their experience, um, maturity, probably going to be tough to knock one of those guys out of those spots. But Donovan Kaufman's a guy that slides down to the nickel, then you slide another safety in. One of these guys could could definitely be that guy. Yeah, so who who else do we have here? We got Austin Austin Asbury, who um, he's like kind of a corner nickel, I think kind of guy. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he'll is. he'll get a shot outside first, yeah. um, even though he's a bigger guy. Um, and and so yeah, I mean you know this is I would say that you look at the safety spot. It's it's probably in in about what you're looking at in terms of of heading into the to the season. You know, for the most part. All right, I'm going to let you kind of run point on this one because you and Mark do a really good job um, of going out there occasionally um, and checking up on the complex. We pass it almost every day um, when we go to practice. This one's pretty simple. Are there any updates on the football-only facility? Um, from my understanding, the I believe it's July um, date is still pretty much intact, um, but because yeah. you guys go out there all the time. Yeah, it all depends on kind of the materials. As ever, anybody that's having to deal anything with with housing at the moment's going on. Um, they've made really good progress. Um, the goal has been to, to kind of get in that thing and, and, and kind of get rolling. We'll see what the next couple of months, we get, get to about May. Um, yeah, I don't, I, it doesn't, you know, look like it's going to be ready when the season begins. Um, you know, they've got the most of the framework done, but even the outside is not yet done in terms of the, the full framing of the outside of the facility. And then there's a ton of, ton of things to get done inside it's a massive project but they've done a really good job so i think the goal is to try to get in in the fall um and and start to to be able here's the thing about it already it's already made an impact because now there's a physical structure up even though it's not ready it's not done the physical structure's up and they can drive recruits by on golf carts they can see what it looks like get a picture of how big it is and what it's going to become and then they can show them the video renderings and the things that actually is going to be in the building. So, yeah, I think it's, it's goal is to, to be in there sometime in the fall and, and to probably move in and, in, in some shifts and trying to get things done. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they'll be able to move into it during a season, 
um, because of the things that it would entail. But I think they can start to do some of those things during the year. It is a beast. People have to remember um, when it first got rendered and, and shown to everybody, everything that is involved with the inside there. Um, you're talking juice stands and, and recording uh, uh, studios. simulators, everything yeah. that's going on. Yeah, it's going to be massive. And uh, I know they're they're looking forward to getting in there. Yeah. So there's a lot involved. There's a lot they got to make sure um, they get right. This one's pretty blunt, too. And it kind of just made me laugh. Uh, why did we take in so many quarterbacks um, from the portal? I guess, you know, just the the more roundabout way of that is, um, you know, the fact that it, it was it did start as a five man quarterback competition. Yeah. Might have seemed big. To some people, my simple answer is that you just don't know if you don't have a concrete guy. You know, TJ Finley looked good at times last season, but I think anytime you can bring in really good competition with a guy like Zach Calzada, um, and then Robbie Ashford, I think is just a wild card. Absolutely, a, kind of a. I think you know maybe some people talking to people at practice like. You know, maybe you know people are kind of you know they're down on you know, what Auburn's final record could be. Um, you feel like almost a wild card like a D Davis before he left or like a Robbie Ashford is maybe the guy where if he all of a sudden hits his stride, they can almost go to a higher ceiling because yeah. Calzada and Finley, you, you kind of know what you have already. You've seen, I mean, you saw Zach Calzada work with better talent last season. You already know kind of what he looks like. Um, but I think the simple answer is that you didn't have a number one. You, you're not doing this. If Bo Nix is still here. Not even. Right. No no, yeah. 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 So, I agree. I, th- I think it's, it's all because of the unknown. Um, even for guys that started last year, Zach Calzada and TJ Finley, you you not you know you don't know if those are are the guys that take it over. It, I think if you, if you had gone out and gotten a three year starter somewhere that had thrown for sixty touchdowns, and that guy was coming in, you probably don't bring in a, a second transfer guy in. Um, but I think it was. I mean, and look here. Here's the thing: it wound up being really good news because if you if you hadn't had brought in a Robbie Ashford. Right now, you'd have two scholarship quarterbacks to, that would be working with this this group, and so I think it's it's really important that you brought in another guy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think. And here's the other thing: I think deep down, I think the coaching staff knew that Demetrius Davis wasn't a good fit. I think deep down, Demetrius Davis probably knew that he wasn't a good fit, wanted to give it a run early in the spring to see how because he liked Auburn. Yeah, he um, wanted to stick it out. Yeah, yeah, and and in the end, they I think both parties knew that it probably wasn't going to work. Um, so because of that, if you're Auburn, they're going to look, we, we better make sure of this one. Cause I mean, you can see Demetrius Davis, I think is, he can be a great fit in, in certain systems. I just don't think it was this system. And so, um, I think Auburn and, and him both knew that they just wanted to give it another run in the spring. So a similar question here, we got two more and then we'll, uh, we'll head on out. Now we're getting a bit lengthy at the moment. Um, another quarterback question that says, give us a timeline from spring to summer to fall, as to what the quarterbacks will be doing and who will be evaluating. That's a good question um, in the summer. Yeah. So uh, something Brian Harson actually mentioned talking about this was getting Zach Cal- was making sure Zach Calzada is ready for the player run sessions in the summer. Those are something we hear about every year. Those are very, very important um, guys create more separation there than you might think. Um, and so I think, you know, I don't know about you. I-, I would maybe be surprised if there is any sort of, Gus Malzahn, Joey Gatewood, Bo Nix-esque like announcement about the battle being cut down after spring. I I, I wouldn't, I don't really foresee yeah. that happening. Um, it may be more of a situation where when we get into the fall, 
it's you know let, let's just say let's you know let, let's take chalk and say it's just pretty much Finley and Calzada going at each other. Um, it's probably a situation where you get around a fall, you get to practice, and you say, "Oh, they're the only ones getting the first team reps." It's it's pretty obvious. Harson just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to say, "You know, you know, we, we're only we're only doing these two quarterbacks right now." But in terms of the evaluation, um, you know, they're gonna it's it's on them a lot in the summer um, when it's those player run sessions. Um, but Eric Esau, obviously the quarterbacks coach right now. Um, we've seen Brian Harson work very closely with the quarterbacks this spring, which is not a surprise. Um, one bit. Yeah, I, I would probably think that you're not going to necessarily get any sort of uh, trimming this spring. It's probably just going to be something where we get around to the fall and it becomes obvious who the who the contenders are. And I'd be shocked if it's just one guy. You know, It's going to get to the fall probably and you're still going to be looking at a two or three man competition. I would bet that it's probably you get to the fall and because Zach Calzada hasn't done too much with the team, you're probably looking at Finley, Calzada, and Ashford. Probably will all get first team reps when fall camp opens. Yeah, I think you'll see that. Here's the thing: I'm not ruling out the possibility that we don't see two guys both getting reps against Mercer in game one. I, I'm not ruling that out at all. Um, it could happen, um, even if they name a starter. Um, it could happen that you get a couple of guys that get reps to see how they run the offense in an actual game. You know, especially. Zach Calzada, a guy that has some shoulder issues, he's not a guy that's going to get knocked around and beat around even in preseason camp. And so he makes get to a point where you say, look, we need to see those guys in the game. Uh, so I, I think it could go into week one. Um, I'd honestly be really surprised if if we jump out there and we have a quarterback um, anytime early in camp. I, I don't I don't think that would happen. I think it's going to take a while, no matter you know um, the situation or what they're doing. Yeah, that's a good point about, you know, they play. It's not like uh it's not like you're opening with Oregon in Arlington or something Correct. like that, which Yeah, you got a much much more manageable situation against a team like Mercer if you wanted to go out there and say, "Look, look let's take a look at a couple of guys and see what they do." Yeah. And then San Jose State the next week. So you're easing into things um, before you host Penn State. And then uh last question here. So this is something we discussed a little bit at the beginning. Uh scholarships is it true we're only at 60? <laughs> Um, and if so, what needs to be done to get up to a normal level? Uh, this seems like a death penalty number um, to most. It's not. Uh, it's not that severe, but like, yeah, said, um, yeah. it is the most that you've seen in a while in terms yeah. of. But they're bringing in guys in the fall, and, and the, the spring better. always makes it look worse because you don't have your full class coming in. Um, so you're you're between the injuries, guys that'll be back, um, and and the additions of the guys coming in you're going to be a little over 70 and they already have, you know, we knew the situation. We knew the situation was going to be that they're going to look for help in the, out of the transfer portal at the edge position. We haven't talked about that specifically, but when you look at, at three scholarship players, Derek Hall, EQ Leota, um, and Dylan Brooks, they're going to, they're going to find a fourth guy somewhere. Um, that's going to happen to give them another option at the edge position. So you look there, Wide receiver, I'd be shocked if they don't add one there. Um, so I think you look at a couple of spots, maybe maybe a couple of players at those positions. You're going to help yourself a little bit. Uh, I don't think I don't think you'll see I don't think you'll see 85 on scholarship, um, but I don't think it's going to be a huge a huge number in terms of man they're they're you know up against the wall here. Um, the issue, like I said, is is more about 2023 on the offensive line and some some of those spots and filling some of those gaps. Um, and 
you know, it's it's it shows up in the spring a little more. I think once you get the newcomers in, add some transfer guys, um, I don't think it'll be a big deal. Yeah, they're, uh, we know they were pursuing Willie Taylor, uh, was the edge rusher from Washington State, um, and then they were poking around with a couple wide receiver transfers. So it's pretty obvious, like you said, it's pretty obvious the direction they're going to go as soon as spring um, is over in some of the numbers. The recruiting class, too, there's a lot of exciting players. We, I mean, we didn't talk about linebacker that much, um, but the highest-rated player in the class, Robert Woodyard, you know, can he come in and make an impact at linebacker? So um, we talked about Damari Alston. He's a guy I'm looking forward to. Maybe it's like a third down back. Um, he's he's fun with the ball in his hands. So um, things will be exciting in the fall as well when things get replenished a little bit. But we have gone long enough, I think. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for hopping on today. Um, we're, we're still giving this StreamYard stuff a, uh, a try with the live streaming, but I thought uh, I thought the, the pictures and stuff went pretty well. Yeah, um, if you guys are listening to this on the uh on the on any of your favorite podcasting apps, please leave us a five star review. That is the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music, if you're listening to this on a podcast, is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next time, everybody enjoy the rest of the week. And obviously, Auburn Undercover inside the Auburn Tigers. We'll have plenty of spring practice up there. We'll catch you guys later. Thank you.